0: This yeah.
1: of two nuts in a pod number two definitely not recorded on the same day as episode one we would not do that no way no we're, st- we're still <laughs> running we still got the steam um we're so excited because the beautiful and amazing mandy all of them is sitting in front of us mm-hmm. um has been our dear friend for a long time and um also just has some amazing things to say about these topics So we're going to introduce her and and you guys can like have, like I've said about Mandy a lot that I want to like bottle up her soul and drink it for breakfast. (laughs) So part of my goal is to bottle up her soul in this little audio recording a little bit um, to share more widely, wildly and widely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so just to introduce Mandy a little bit, and then I'll I'll let her just kind of tell you more about herself, but um, she's a full-time mom here in Louisville, got three boys. What are
2: ages? Ages four, two, and almost eight months. It's hard oh, to believe. Wow. I know. He's getting so big. Yeah. <laughs> so she's
1: busy already, just because I've said that, but also she does a lot of advocacy in the community. Like... I don't know how she has energy for any of it, and that's something that I want to unpack a little bit later uh, in this episode, because I just, I don't understand it. It's amazing to me. You're amazing. <laughs> oh, I um, feel so
2: honored to be here. It feels amazing to be here. <laughs> I'm so excited about what you all are doing, really. I feel inspired and grateful for this venue to really unpack a lot of this stuff we don't like to talk about or that's difficult to talk about. So thank you.
0: We didn't introduce ourselves, though.
2: Oh,
1: crap. I know we're new. Whatever. <laughs> right. it's, it's Lizzie Caraway and... and Emory
0: Williamson.
1: Yeah. So it's us. <laughs> the two nuts. <laughs> two nuts in a pod. two nuts in a pod. Um, yeah. Am so... I the third
2: nut? No, I'm just kidding.
1: Yeah, today you're the third <laughs> nut. And... Three nuts
0: in a pod. Yeah, yeah. That's what we'll All do. Right. Yeah.
1: yeah. Today we're <laughs> so three nuts. So I guess we wanted to start just with maybe you sharing a little bit about your mental health story, anything that you want to share, but really just kind of showing us like that little snapshot of how you got to where you are in your mental health journey.
2: Sure. Um, This was a very welcome opportunity to reflect on really a lifetime of experience and you know, I just turned thirty-one a couple days ago, so it's been thirty-one Happy years. Thank you. Yeah. Was it December seventh? De- oh, you nailed it. Yes. December 7th my brother's 7th. birthday. That's right. So I'm basically a Williamson. You are a Williamson, Mandy <laughs> That's Williamson. That Mandy nice. Williamson, very regal. Yeah. So I've had, you know, three decades of, well, who knows how anxious I was as a one-year-old, really, but almost three decades of experiencing what I've come to have and create some language around thanks to a lot of wonderful friends and resources. um, Since I can remember, I've experienced anxiety in one form or another. Growing up, um, I guess I was in my like junior high or early teens when I realized that my mom struggled with depression. She kind of I suppose came out about that to us in a really direct way her um, my siblings and I and um, she's wrestled with it um, on and off throughout her life so I had a lot of language around depression but I never really felt depressed in the way that she would talk about feeling depressed um, so it took me a lot longer I would say until after college even to really understand that a lot of words that I'd used in my youth and in my um, young adulthood were not totally accurate about what was actually coming up inside of me, what was actually alive in me. So for example, when I was younger, people would talk about, oh, she's a little shy, you know, she's a little shy. Well, I'm actually really not shy at all. (laughs) Like, I'll tell you anything you wanna know about me, But I do have social anxiety. It makes me feel really nervous to just jump into a social situation and start talking. So I really feel like in the past handful of years is really when I've learned a lot about, like in retrospect, I can remember in college, for example, one day there was an event with friends I knew. In fact, Robbie, who would one day become my husband, (laughs) was there and Sarah, my friend, and people I'd known forever. And I was going to this event and I remember getting so far as to walk on campus and I was outside the door and I just couldn't even bring myself to go in I just, I was so, I couldn't imagine what was going to happen on the other side of that door and so I just turned around and went home and I created so much shame and guilt around these times when I couldn't show up when I would back out of plans or I would
1: sometimes we can't,
2: sometimes we can't show up right and and like You know I would make those lame excuses and those you know I would try to fill in the gaps um, to make it you know excusable or to not hurt other people's feelings but I wasn't really telling the truth about what was happening I didn't say I said to everybody I wasn't I started to not feel good I was sick which is true which is true and I think that's something I've learned I can own too like it's that's acceptable that's a that's a telling the truth about what's happening in you. When you say you're feeling so sick that you can't go, your anxiety is making you sick. So um, in the past five years, as uh, Lizzie mentioned at the beginning, the shift in my life that's really brought me to have to confront in a whole new way um, my experience in relationship to mental illness is having children. So in the past, I think one of the reasons I could go, like, this far in life without even really understanding that I had anxiety was because I was incredibly lucky to have really unusual opportunities for, like, reflection and sharing with other people in groups. So, for instance, in high school, I went on retreats where there was sort of this... Um, spiritual emotional reflection happening all the time and it was really common and encouraged in circles to kind of like talk about those really deep um, things we don't talk about right these like really human experiences to be very vulnerable it was encouraged it was it was common and I heard in others' stories a lot of my own and so I felt very affirmed it was a safe place a lot of times to process. So even though I wasn't going to therapy in a formal way, I had this sort of outlet or this framework to process a lot of what was going on for me. So and I had that through high school experiences. I then I worked at a place where that was common. I worked two different places actually where every day we would begin the day in intentional reflection as a staff. They were like Wow. No places. <laughs> like, no place yeah. does that. <laughs> so I was incredibly lucky, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So, but, f- you know, five years ago, I was pregnant. And, you know, like, pregnancy hormones, the kind of stereotype happened or whatever. But, and I was prepared, again, because of my experience with my mom um, talking about depression. She talked a lot about having um postpartum depression when she had us like she she would she described her experiences like i felt a lot of depression so if you have a history of that they ask about that and doctor's appointments and things and so i was like okay i'm prepared i was reading up on postpartum depression and okay well this is what could happen to me and i feel so well resourced and then i gave birth and you know didn't sleep for literally days on end and had a newborn baby to take care of and I had no idea that like I couldn't be more than a few feet away from him without experiencing this crippling anxiety of is he still breathing is he alive is his heart beating you know because is he doing okay you know those kinds of things which partly are I would imagine you know like biological imperative like keep the offspring alive you know (laughs) like some of that is like normal to feel like oh is he okay you know that's fine but it was on a different level and the tension I mean like at night we uh, had this idea that he was going to sleep next to us in a bassinet but the bassinet was just high enough where I had to sit up in bed to see him And I couldn't, I just couldn't after like a day or two, a night or two of that, I said to my partner, like, he has to sleep in the bed with us because I can't, I can't, I can't sleep at night at all. Not, I have to constantly be watching him feeling if he's breathing because, um, and that was like the beginning of understanding what my anxiety and parenthood would look like. Again, what I, like, am sharing, I'm sure people listening who have had children may have had these same experiences, and they may be to a lesser or greater degree. I know lots of people who, um, I mean, I know personally lots of people who've struggled with postpartum OCD and depression, and, and a lot of these things sometimes don't hit in, set in immediately. They set in, like, months later, so it can really cut you off guard, like, oh, I thought I was adjusting so well, and then whoop surge of different hormones and you've got things in a different balance. Um, one of the most disconcerting experiences for me was to start experiencing in a really visceral way. Um, and I could look back and see that I actually have always had these, but they were in such a different just dimension, uh, intrusive thoughts. Oh, yes. So that was like, just all of a sudden, like I would be holding my baby that's sitting in a chair holding him and have just this flash of something just awful happening what to if something him.
1: falls on his head yes
2: yeah, so sure. like an airplane's going to crash in our house is going to cave in on us right now and you know what would I do to protect him I mean and that would happen all the time
1: and <laughs> just do, do your intrusive thoughts do you carry them out to the end like you, oh my gosh because I'll do that sometimes I'll have this intrusive thought that's totally crazy I had one about zombie apocalypse once and I had a oh conversation gosh. with Seth about what we would do with the cats, what our position was gonna be. Do we put them in the carriers? And then I imagine this whole scene of like, at the time the car had a stick shift. I was like, well, what if Seth has to carry the two carriers because I can't carry both of them. That means I'm gonna end up on the driver's side and I'm gonna have to drive through the horde of zombies not knowing how to drive stick. I mean,
2: yes, the the intrusive thoughts
1: go into this whole narrative.
2: Yes. No, and it's and it. Yeah, I'm like laughing a little bit because you know zombie apocalypse. But seriously, that's yeah. it's so real. That was when I first started watching Walking Dead. We were all a little scared. <laughs> it felt real at first. Yes. No, but that's but that's the thing. Yeah, obviously, the house caving in. You know, like. Holy crap, like, what are the chances of that? You know, not
0: mm-hmm. very large. And, and this would be all the time. So just, just like, all the time. I still
2: have them. Okay. I mean, I, so I have, you know, my third baby, he's eight months old. You'd think I would, I'm just more used to it now. Um, so I like at least, at least have time and experience to say, like, oh, this is happening again, you know. But it's still just as hard. Yes. I mean, it's still just as right. difficult to grapple with, like, Oh my God, he's going to roll off the bed and then his brother's going to wander upstairs or he's going to roll over on him when he's sleeping, he's going to suffocate him. I mean, just, and I don't want to get too, you know, disturbing, but I mean, those are just the constant. And some of that, again, is like, I can imagine like, this is a good, like tool, right? Like I'm, I'm keeping people alive. (laughs) Like I'm trying to, so I'm anticipating what could happen. What, what do I need to be thinking about? If I don't have this intrusive thought to remind me, oh, the baby's still sleeping. Go check on him. You know, well, that's, you know, maybe not as advantageous or whatever. But in this, in my life, everyday life in this very modern, you know, like he's not in the jungle somewhere under a leaf, you know, like predators everywhere. He's like on a bed surrounded in cozy pillows. Like he's fine, you know. Mm -hmm. But of course, that's, that's not what it feels like.
1: And sometimes that's good to remind yourself that, like, these things that, these emotions that, you know, sometimes come across negative, that they do have, they have served us in some way in our lives. Yes. And that that, that's something that has stuck because it has served us in the past. And then you can start to say, how do I start dismissing this because it's not serving me anymore? But, you know, usually with this stuff, it's messy. There's elements of it that serve us and there's elements that don't. Absolutely. So what you're talking about, about yes. getting a little bit of, like, detachment from the, fe- like, being able to stand back and watch the feeling a little more, it For sounds sure. like.
2: yes. And I, I appreciate the way you frame that because, again, like, looking back at my years where I was lucky enough to have people reflecting back to me what I was saying and what I'm wrestling with and my anxieties, and um, it was easier to see the gift in it. I guess in those spaces, it was a lot of like social justice focused spaces or like spirituality focused. So it, feeling deeply about something was a, a magnificent plus, <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you're accepting and, and paying attention to the suffering of the world. Like you're awake. Yay. You know, <laughs> like it was like celebrated in those spaces, not as like a, I'm not as like a, a you know, um, in a way that was like, it's okay to, to be this way it's okay that you have a depth of care it's okay that you feel anxious about this I don't know it was very affirming in the way that like again not that it would just dismiss it like you don't need anything to help you cope with these things in day-to-day life but in a way that was like saw the power in it like you were saying I guess so interesting and it's, it's almost
1: like your your unique like opportunities with engaging in these kind of, like, sounds like kind of support groups, but, you know, with that social justice aim that might have taught you early on that advocacy was this safe space, like this world where, you know, even if it was hard to show up, that there was that positive reinforcement that when I have shown up, I have felt better.
2: Yes. You hit a huge nail on the head. (laughs) And I think that's it. As I've gotten older, And branched out into different kinds of activist spaces. I've noticed I can't sustain my engagement in certain contexts Hmm. because there is not space for that deeper uh, reflection. There's not that space for building relationships on a on a deep level with other people. Um, And and you know while it existed in the previous contexts I was in we all know in not just social justice circles, there's this glorification of burnout. You know, there's this glorification of like, flag, you know, flagellating yourself to death, like working so hard to make something happen. And in the spaces I was in before, that while while it's not to say no one ever got out of balance, they certainly did. There was also this recognition that that was a thing to not idealize. Like let's take care of ourselves. Who sounds like we're all having a hard time? You know, maybe you need to go away on a retreat. Maybe you need that. You know, there was that sort of encouragement. So I was constantly cared for by people. I mean, God, that could make me cry right now. Just I've just always been so taken care of. And so as I've gotten older, and in the context of parenthood, and then branching out to other places where you know, like people were trying to work. To make the world better, there's not always that sense, and I don't mean that as a, you know, an um, insult in any way to the work that's being done. It's just a recognition that for me, especially in my mental health journey, that's integral. If I'm going to sustain it for the long haul, I have to have those connections, those frameworks for processing and relationship and care. Um, and one of the spaces now, as a parent, mama's hip family cooperative it's a business that's been in operation for like a decade but in the past two and a half years we've worked to turn it into a cooperative business with the idea that anyone who's a member has a role in shaping it and it's a community space for people with um for families of young children and something we talk about a lot there which this is a, an idea completely beautifully just talked about and broken open by Angela Davis, who is a you know lifelong social justice activist, um, incredible black woman who has just a total badass. <laughs> so just to be clear, this is not my original idea. She talks a lot about the communal nature of self-care, how we have to break out of the mold of going home and taking our bubble baths or journaling or going away and making separate time for self-care she's like there's nothing wrong with that that's wonderful of course we all need to take care of ourselves and like you know especially like the introverts among us (laughs) like we just need time to ourselves like there's it's not to like you know say that that's wrong or bad no that's great but if we limit our understanding of self-care to just those breakaway moments those private times that we are responsible for. It's yeah. like, tell someone who has mental health issues, okay, and then add one more thing to your list, which is, take good care of yourself, you know, and it's like, great, you know, we'll and especially, yes, and especially like in the of community, I mean, not everyone has that privilege of being able to take care of themselves very well. People, Single parents who are working multiple jobs, have many kids, don't have vehicles to transport them around the city. I mean, you know, the list goes on and on. So I can't tell my friend, you know, oh God, sounding really heavy, you know, here's a bath bomb, you okay. know, or whatever, <laughs> like, yeah. like that does, that's not a fix, you know? So we're really exploring how to create modes of community where outside of the exchange of capital, outside of typical ways that we can really take care of each other. So I really, um, again, continue to be supported by amazing people. And something I wanted to mention about my mental health journey, um, sort of as a disclaimer, is that um, I, I deeply believe that there are so many important ways to take care of our mental health. And I just wanna be honest that especially, it hasn't been until I've become a parent that I've realized I might need to get on some medication or something or like regularly see a therapist But until actually at this moment, I am neither taking medication nor regularly seeking a therapist. And that's probably not very good (laughs) because I don't think I'm really operating very well. Um, My anxiety manifests a lot as intense rage. Hmm. Um, And...
1: I feel you on that. Yeah. (laughs) Especially when the anxiety and the PMS
2: overlap. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) let me tell you (laughs) yes hormones are lots of rage yeah they're terrible a lot of (laughs) of rage very ragey yes and that's of course super complicated and embarrassing and hard to own when i have three young children you know mommy doesn't want to just like scream at you like in fact i try my very best to practice gentle parenting tactics and yet on any given morning when I've just reached breaking point I haven't slept all night you know we're all tired everybody's in every you know a million directions my anxiety is built so much I'll just break down and just scream at everyone and I want to own that because I know I and again I feel so much less alone even saying this now because I've heard so many other parents say the exact same thing that this is a common experience
0: yeah I will say that I appreciate your openness and being authentic all the time. I, I especially see it, you know, because I don't see you as much. And a little disclosure here we actually, uh, or disclaimer, whatever the word I was looking for, <laughs> uh, we actually lived together that's right. uh, about 10 years ago. Lived, and,
1: <laughs> I always forgot about that.
0: that and it, uh, we even lived together oh. when you had gotten married, and I was just the yeah. bachelor roommate up in the, <laughs> living in the attic <laughs> while well, the married couple lived down below. Um, but I've always appreciated how authentic you are and how open you are, especially you know, I don't have any children of my own, but I will read your statuses or your updates on Facebook and and have a better understanding. And you will you will be very open about your struggles and the difficulties that you're dealing with. And I have always appreciated that. And I've always I've always considered you like a a beaming light in this fucked-up, dark world. <laughs> oh. And so just when I'm able to read that and see that in your perspective, I really, truly appreciate it and appreciate your courage and, and how authentic you, you are with that. Um, I did have a question about relating back to your mom, um, who I once danced with at your yes, wedding.
2: to Lady Gaga. Lady we had
0: our poker faces on. Oh we were getting God. down. Uh, that was, that was <laughs> so much fun. I love her. Um, well, she you talked about when you I think you were a teenager that she had opened up about her depression and her struggles with her mental health and I was wondering how that has subsequently transpired into your relationship with your children and the conversations you have and and also how that affected you as well growing up and how that impacted you but then how has it subsequently transpired to you know you as a parent with your children
2: that's such a great question I really appreciate you asking it because one thing I have realized too that in this day and age I have, again, like so much at my fingertips in terms of like, I can find community where I don't feel so alone on, in every facet of my life as a parent, as a young, as a woman, as everything. And my mom never, she just didn't have that. You know, she had community in some capacities, but not like that. She didn't have support groups, you know? So her owning her experience of depression, I know, was a huge, like, fuck you to shame and guilt and, like, what a woman or mom should be, you know? It was just, like, a huge thing for her to have to do. Um, I can really appreciate that in retrospect. And, you know, without, I guess, speaking for her on her journey, I guess just trying to center it on my experience, you know, Mm -hmm. it was... um, in looking back I can see a lot of like the rhythm of our day and things like that how much um, how her depression did impact that I was homeschooled most of my life again another <laughs> weird fun fact and so you know she was the one homeschooling me she was my teacher and my mom 24-7 um, from third grade on till I went to college and so you know the fact that she and she worked uh a lot of the time so again it was like amazing i don't know how again she did all that but <laughs> um sh- her struggle with mental illness i know was probably i again i don't want to speak for it seemed like a very lonely thing mm-hmm. if something would not talked about a ton and especially in terms of daily um practice i guess or like taking care of things daily so like to translate I'm trying to make the bridge to where I am as a parent now I think one of the things I appreciated about my re- and appreciate continue to because she's still in my life and I love her so much uh, my relationship with my mom is that we are so we can be open about that like um, you know she's a private person and all that I'm a little bit more of an open book So with my own kids, what I'm striving to do is like when I have those moments, those rageful moments where I've just screamed at everyone (laughs) seemingly out of nowhere, you know, to the four-year-old to how does, you know, he doesn't necessarily see or comprehend the building blocks that led to this breakdown moment. You know, he doesn't see all the, and um, so it's, I think that's one of the hardest things for me is just how unfair it feels to them to have to wrestle with that but what I try to do is just be as open as possible you know I really valued that from my mom when she was able to be open and I want to be that with my kids like I'm having a hard morning and I just yelled at you and I wish I had taken some deep breaths and found calmer words to say what I needed from you I'm I'm sorry I yelled and it's not okay that I yelled at you sometimes I'm able to say So now I'm going to (laughs) go and do the thing I should have (laughs) done. I have just screamed at you. And I'm going to go get some water and something to eat, you know, because that might be why I'm freaking out uh, because I haven't (laughs) nourished myself today. Um, And sometimes it's like, now we've got to freaking get out the door and go to school, and I'm sorry, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like, well, that wasn't perfect, you know. But what's amazing to me is that already – he can mirror back so much of what I say, and and it's not just me. I would say, like, my partner is amazing, and, he, and my kids are, I mean, kids are amazing. They're resilient <laughs> in spite of me, you know what I'm saying? Like, they are, he is, so, like, they are all three, my two-year-old as well, like, so self-aware in a way that they express what they're feeling. They're learning to name their feelings. Oh, I love that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We, that's one thing that came up in both of our stories is that we just didn't have words for the ways we were feeling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the wor- only word was weird for me. I yeah. just always felt weird. I, I Exactly the
0: same thing. We didn't know what the words were. We just were like, yeah, I guess I'm just a really weird kid.
2: Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, and I can especially see in my oldest, like, already tendencies toward anxiety. And it's hard to see. And it's also, like, I'm trying to break open, like, he might be picking up on what? I'm putting out there you know because they're little sponges they pick up on your energy so if I'm super anxious that might be why he's more anxious and when I'm calmer he's calmer but but he is gosh and I talk mostly about my four year old because my two year old like where he's at now is equally amazing he's like I'm mad I was mad when you took away my toy or whatever I don't really take away their toys but you know put up that thing I wanted to play with or I'm you know I'm just so sad Grandma Cheryl has to leave. You know, like, and he doesn't say it that clear. He's like, I'm sad Grandma so has to leave. You know, (laughs) so sweet. Um, But he's, like, learning to at least tell us about it. And it's hard when, like, instead he's just screaming, you know, or he's, like, hitting at his brother. It's like, slow down, let's bring our voices down, like. Calm down first, which is so hard because I'm still learning that at age 31. (laughs) How do you calm down first? Um, Or just get to some equilibrium and then what's going on. But my oldest is able to articulate more complex thoughts. And he'll he'll say things like, you know, it sounds like you might need a break right now. Things like that. Or he'll say like, the other day he was... He was kind of playing with his little baby brother because he loves babies. And, um, but I was trying to get the baby down for a nap. And so I was getting a little more frustrated. And the baby's nursing and he's touching me. And I'm like getting touched out. And I was just like, just, oh, you know, please, just please just leave him alone. I'm trying to get him down for a nap. You know, don't, I've said this. And, and, you know, he just, <sighs> okay, mom. And he just like settles down. And he like meets my eyes and he's like, I'm just trying to feel my life. whoa <laughs> and, and I realized like these are the words like if I if we can keep holding space for each other, like now what does that mean? I'm just trying to feel my life. I don't know what that means. He might not even really know what that means.
1: little Zen master <laughs> <laughs> what is it? That's like a koan. like what does that even oh mean? Oh, right and it's like, I'm enlightened because I just heard that sentence. (laughs) I'm just trying to feel my life.
2: And it's amazing to sit there and realize, like, he just put me in check, you know, like, okay, and okay, how am I feeling my life right now? Like, you know, I can tell him I'm just tired. I'm really tired right now, and, you know, everybody's touching me, and I'm getting a little agitated. I could say that instead of like, God, please get off me or whatever. I like, I could be a little more eloquent. You know, I could just like settle down and find oh. those words because like you all said, I mean, it is hard. That's been a huge part of uh, there's a woman, Eileen, who's helped me so much with through nonviolent communication. And that's part of it. Like what's alive in you right now? And she, they have like lists of feeling words <laughs> that you can just read And peruse so that, okay. Oh, here are all the things I could be feeling, kind of a thing. And it might sound silly, but then in those intense moments, you had like, I was reading. Okay, I feel agitated, or I feel disturbed. You know, I feel angry. Well, which one is it? You know, is it a combination? I can like start to access those. And so, it's amazing to me how often my kids actually are my teachers. Actually, let me just. They are constantly my teachers. They're better at this than I am. <laughs> I think kids are because they have more questions and less assumptions. Yeah. I think
0: I think what's beautiful about this also is the, the generational foundation that was set by your your mom showing her being vulnerable, being open, talking about yes. mental health struggles and how that has subsequently transpired to how your children are able to voice their feelings and their concerns yeah. and how and and own those feelings and be so open about it as well. And just you know, it's I I view your mom as just she's an absolute treasure and and the fact fact that she she did set that foundation and it's just a it's beautiful to see how that has transpired over the years and what it's created now is these three amazing beautiful children who are able to talk openly about their feelings and their emotions and own it too i think it's
1: it's amazing that's so cool to give kids that space and not to I think often it's like the assumption is that kids are acting out for no reason, right? I I think that that's like a go-to assumption that people have, that adults have, is that if if kids are acting in a way we don't want them to act, it's this very controlling thing. Kids aren't acting the way we want them to act, then they're acting out for no reason. And, you know, I love that you create these spaces for them where you always assume that there's a reason. And that no reason is more valid than another but you know there's there's always something motivating some sort of emotional reaction no matter what age you are you know and of course it's much harder to unpack with kids I'm sure and there's just tons of communication strategies you have to
2: learn on the job no for sure but also to your all's brilliant point earlier I think the other wonderful thing is like constantly having this mutual practice with each other is like there is a reason and sometimes we we don't know what the reason is like sometimes I do have a freak out and it's like yeah I guess I'm tired of this but I don't really know why I'm having a panic attack right now Mm -hmm. you know and so sometimes like also holding that space of like for my kid to say like for me to say what is going on and for them to say like I don't know I don't know what's going on and for us to know like feel that sense and it's not perfect all the time at all I mean (laughs) I rarely feel like okay I did that really well (laughs) you know like constantly humbled by everything but also being a parent um but there have been so many moments where you know it's it's just that visceral like tears and needing to come close I think what you said felt so important just now both of you Actually, the thing about it being this foundational thing built over generations and this idea that, like, my train of thought? Um, hang on, I'll find my train of thought. Sorry. <laughs> also, mom brain. Oh, my gosh, that's such a real thing. I hate it. I don't want it to be the case.
1: Gener- I have that already, so what happens if... If I actually have a kid, then I'm really going to have mom brain because I I do that all the time where I just completely you know, I, I have mom brain forget.
0: I, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about right now. This is fun. <laughs> Imagine how I felt when I was like teaching students and I'd be talking about something and I'd be like, oh shit, what am I saying? Right now? I know, exactly.
1: <laughs> oh, I call them
2: like, uh,
1: I call them awkward blackouts if it's in front of a group where a bunch of people are staring at you and then suddenly like you not only forget what you were going to say, like, you just forget what words are for a second. It's just, like, this, like... "Ah," And then you're thinking about the fact that you're... That you don't know what you were thinking about. And it's just, like, this awkward blackout. it used to happen to me when I taught, and it was terrible. I would just... I would... And then I would talk during the awkward blackout, and then I would have no idea what I said. <laughs> I know that somehow what I've I what I've rambled. Is, was
0: more rambly words. I was like, "All right, don't know what to say now. Just keep going through it, and just, just yeah, it'll be fine."
2: Yeah, well, it's, well, it's good that I have sure that sure on sense, a mental but... health podcast because everybody gets to it. <laughs> they're like, "Oh yeah, no." But I think I think what I was gonna say was around like. Yeah, this generational build, and I think a lot about the fact that I have, well, I think I have three sons. I mean, uh, that's probably who they are, but only the oldest is really old enough to tell me. I love that. But, um,
1: I've been thinking about that a lot with like these gender reveal parties and stuff. Oh, gosh. I know that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, we won't sister. we
2: won't get oh into that. But, but for real, I mean, yeah. How like, do episode you know? three, yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> Gender reveal. <laughs> no, but for real, I mean, gosh,
1: yeah. But I like that out. phrasing of it. I think I have three boys. You know, you're yeah. not sure until no, they well, no. they're making that journey every day.
2: They are. They're telling me who they are every day. I just have to pay attention. But I guess I could more simply say I have three children <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who, like, um, it's it's a, I think one of the things that's helped me on my mental health journey and that I see, we want to push things away. That's what it was. You were saying, like, kids do act out, right, in quotation marks, and so we really want to push it away or we want to stop it right yeah. there. Like, ugh. That's, silence it. Yes. Like, that's... Disgusting or disgraceful or embarrassing to me as a parent or whatever. When my, when Oak well, we had some friends over the other day and he, out of you know he was getting super exhausted and all this and he said like, you know, I just hate you," to me, and that's embarrassing. You know, I had to like really examine like he just said that in front of the other parent who was there and the other children, and I don't I don't like how that makes me feel that he just said he hated me, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I was really. Disconcerted, but like so, I could. And when I think back, like, okay, time to go to your room. You know, go away, or whatever. Or and (laughs) there's not. Don't do this all the time. But in that moment, it was like, okay, I can also get really close. Hey, I hear you're not happy with me. Okay, all right. Let's just let's just take a little time. You know, let's stop this back and forth for just a minute so we can just come back to it. And later that day, you know, I didn't try to fix it or change it in the moment. I didn't say you don't hate me or,
1: you know, or don't say don't that say or that. never say that.
2: Yeah. Yes. Which not to yeah. say, I don't, not to say, I don't say things like be kind of like that sometimes or like, I don't want to, but at that moment I didn't. And later that day I said like, do you remember when you said that you hated me and he just like teared up and ran at me in a hug and he said of course I don't hate you I was just so frustrated and like it's not always like that (laughs) that moment but when we can stay close to each other like it's it's not despicable or scary that you're having a meltdown it's not awful that you said you hated me it's not unthinkable that you're too tired right now you know it's like that is what's true (laughs) that's what's real and let's just stay close to each other sometimes we can give each other space like that's totally fair too i need space like i'm not saying we can't do that that happens often in our house like i'm gonna take some space but with behavior that can feel so triggering for our own social anxieties or whatever it can feel so easy to like want to just squelch it. stop it stop i don't want it to happen but for my own uh Experience and feelings too. I realize if I stay open and curious, like okay, I I am feeling this right now. Okay, wow, and just asking questions about it and holding it. It feels like it's it feels a lot more manageable. And I hope that that's what my kids can see me and my partner doing, like trying, right, failing all the time mm-hmm. <laughs> or stumbling, but trying to like find ways to engage with ourselves deeply and honestly, so that they too can do that, and that we're trying to engage with them deeply and honestly. Yeah. Not like you have to talk to me all the time about how you feel, no, but that there's this openness. Like, you get to decide. I And I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of being with you, I'm not afraid of what's happening for you. And
0: it's, yeah, you're not suppressing it, you're not dismissing it, and I think that key word you have is afraid i feel like a lot of people are afraid of those confrontations they're afraid of those conversations they're afraid of that real shit yes. and i think it's so necessary in all facets of our society but i love the space that you've created for your children you and your partner have created it's, it's truly beautiful
2: thank you all for listening about it it's and i feel so lucky that like i have amazing parent models and peer models for taking good care of ourselves, you know, and and taking care of little people who are, you know, the least afraid. <laughs>
1: yeah. and, and I think that what I really like from this conversation today is seeing that you've channeled aspects, like throughout your life, it seems like you have had very good adaptive coping strategies that have always involved bringing people closer in. Mm-hmm. And wow, I hadn't thought of it you know, that way. <laughs> maybe that's why you haven't needed medication or you have, you know, um, because you've built such a strong network th- that, you know, a lot of people don't have. But, you know, that finding your people thing is huge, I think, to getting those kind of strategies and, you know, finding the people who support you the way you
2: need to be supported. No, for sure. Uh, Yeah, I feel so grateful for all the people who came before me who also, some of my biggest mentors in my life openly struggled with depressive tendencies, anxiety, other, um, other mental health struggles and illnesses. And I feel so grateful that not only were they open and honest with me, but they did show how that is a... Um one, my friend Joe, always talked about like keeping death close like a sister, I guess Saint Francis of Assisi wrote about this or spoke about it or something. Keep death close, like don't pretend it doesn't exist, don't don't like put it over there, like keep it close like a sister, yes. and when it's that close I'm like, yeah, this is a reality that all of us will meet someday or whatever it's it's less scary, and we can greet it more openly and uh usefully and like. I think having those examples has helped me very imperfectly again and I wrestle all the time but like model and or strive to meet that model of keeping these things close like meant my anxiety I've just come to finally accept it's just going to be a life companion (laughs) it's always gonna be like knocking on the door (laughs) always there and the more I try to like fragment my life and imagine that it's just gonna be something separate is self-defeating for me personally it feels self-defeating because then every time it comes knocking I feel like I failed somehow I didn't get rid of it oh here it comes again I suck you know but then but if I realize it's always gonna knock on the door it's in fact why don't I just invite it in for tea You know, why don't I just like pull up a chair, like, hello, old friend? We know each other quite well. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, isn't that a little easier to like hold and carry? So while I don't wish it on anyone, that's there's another way to be with that. And I really appreciate your insight that closeness is a maybe a, if not a treatment by any means, at least a, at least a comfort.
0: (laughs) What was the quote again? What was the, he said keep, it was keep death close.
2: Yeah, it's sister death. He wrote about, or Saint, I think it was St. Francis, God, someone out there is going to be like, no way <laughs> it this person. I think it was St. Francis who talked about sister death, just that idea of, like, someone you know and someone you're related to and keeping things so close that it's like welcoming family. Home. And
0: it's so true with, with mental health struggles. It's for, like for my, myself, for example, for so many years, I suppressed it moved it away put a cover over it swept it under the rug whatever saying you want i did that for so many years and i realized i i I talked about this in the first episode i did a a speech kind of like a ted talk uh, called dear monster and the monster basically is always going to live with me it's Mm -hmm. always going to be there and for so many years i was like just keep it away keep it away keep it away but now I'm like, you know what, I accept the monster, and I want to understand the monster, and maybe I'll invite it in for tea someday, <laughs> but if I don't understand it, I'm never going to get better. And it's always going to be there, and it's going to rock my shit all the time, and I don't want that. So how am I going to control this, and how can I work with this, and work with these feelings and emotions and these mental health struggles, because otherwise, yeah, it's, it's going to just, it's going to destroy me. And that's that's why I viewed it as, hey, it's this monster, but it's just one small part of me. The monster's part, a small part of me, just like, you know, I love education, just like I love my family. These are all little things that are parts of my life. And yes. it's it's when I dismissed it or pushed it away was when it became more and more problematic and mm. more and more devastating ultimately. So sure. I I really appreciate that perspective.
1: Well, I think we're we're at the end of our time. I mean, I could seriously talk about this stuff forever oh. and we'll probably have you back on like
2: tomor- kind of tomorrow of is tomorrow okay
1: <laughs> I'm um,
2: so grateful for what you all are doing because again like not only it's it's easy to sit with you all and draw close you know and just sit and chat about this you make it easy so thank you but I just truly believe that sharing this kind of space, even if it is it whether it's in person or virtually, is what's gonna really transform our capacity to care better for each other. So thank you. Thank,
1: thank you, you so much, yes. Mandy. Thank you so much. All right. So we're signing off, gang. We will uh talk to you soon. We'll see you next time. I don't know. I don't know what to say at the end of these things. <laughs> I
0: don't know how to end it at all.
1: I should have <laughs> just <laughs> let Mandy end it. Her thing was so nice. <laughs> it was
0: perfect. All right, that's good enough.
1: Um Three well, Nuts in a
0: Pod, you know? Three Nuts in a Pod.
1: Yeah, so Three Nuts in a Pod reporting today. Um, I do always want to say that I love you guys, everyone who's listening. Um, it's okay to not be okay. You're awesome. Keep getting close with each other. Don't be afraid of each other. We're not that scary. I love you too.
0: I love you all. Be strange when you're a stranger.